your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. It's later in the week, except it's not later in the week for us because it's Sunday right now, so I still don't sound like a human being yet. Yeah. Uh, like a real human being. As <laughs> consistent with this time of year in the Midwest, the forecast is for three to five inches of snow tomorrow, and given that it will be the first substantial snowfall of the season, it, not that that's actually a lot, and yes, I I can hear you from the other side of the Great Lakes, Minnesotans, and, and all you are like, that, oh, that's barely even a dusting now, isn't it? That was more Wisconsin, I guess, but you people are all the same. Anyway, my point is... <laughs> I know it's not a lot of snow. It's the first snow of the season. It's going to be it's it's going to it's, it's supposed to switch over at about 2 in the morning. So, can't wait for the commute to work tomorrow. Yes, we're doing everything here on Sunday night because who knows if we'll ever see each other again? Who knows if if either of us might perish in the coming hoar frost, which, you know, in another 3 weeks everyone will be used to. But well, the good news is 10,000 people at the Chrysler Tech Center don't have to go to work. But you do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But I'm just saying my commute might be a little less strange because it's crazy what to think about. But if you actually do some math, maybe like 30% of the like last five miles of my commute, if not way more, is going to the same building. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, my route to work is mostly construction obstructed anyway so i'm used to surface streets so that'll be fine but anyway let's get to the surface street of football games the off taco empire classic game of the week umass at northwestern and the battle of one win teams with did you see the line on this game between one win teams in november <laughs> my god umass might be the worst team of this century so far <laughs> did you see the line no northwestern minus 40 Minus 40. Can you imagine? What if UMass played a good team? They'd take, they'd take it off the board. There wouldn't be, because, like, look, I get that Northwestern is probably substantially better by statistical models than they are in the record column. Not that I can check S&P Plus for free anymore to find out. Uh, but I, I, um, they've, they've won one game, and it's mid-November. And yes, I look, I understand that UMass has lost by big margins to bad to like UConn beat the crap out of them. Rutgers roughed them up despite the game closing the 10 Their points. only win is against Akron, who might actually be worse. Yeah, well, and that's a group of five team. Uh, and so I guess it's fair enough to say that UMass is independent. So what do you really expect from them? But I like, I couldn't wrap my head around that, man. A 40 point spread for Northwestern. Like, did you voluntarily leave the MAC or did they get kicked out? They got kicked out because they couldn't meet attendance. Oh, right. Uh, but Well, getting kicked out of the MAC worked well for Temple. Right, and, you know... UMass decide, is not going to follow them Decidedly there. less so. So this is the case of a divorce, right? Like, it happens half the time. Uh, so, yeah, well, the no, no, Connecticut... Right. <laughs> UConn definitely beat up UMass in the cum-ass game, which was better than the rum-ass game. Yeah, and so, so this, this is a, the numb. This is the game. Nu- this is the numbass <laughs> game, which, given that it's at Northwestern and it's November on the shores of Lake Michigan, your ass is going to be numb if you're dumb it's enough to go to this game. game. So, the numbass game for uh, dumbass. Game I just, you know, fans, all right, all right, all right, all right. hold on. So, uh, look, obviously, the, 
okay, so for one thing, if Northwestern doesn't win this game, you need to fire Pat right now. They yeah. won't, but they should because this would be, I mean, this would be a bigger upset. What was the App State-Michigan line? Like 33 points? Yeah. And there there was a couple earlier this season that were close, that were like in that neighborhood. Shit, Illinois was a 31-point dog to Wisconsin. And that was the biggest one in a long time. But Illinois is a Big Ten team. Like the fact This that they is were... on the order of Jim Harbaugh-Stanford coming off of like a one-win season against Pete yeah. Carroll-USC. Yeah, that's the only comparable thing. So it's a 40-point spread. How many? This is, this is four points less than Ohio State got against Maryland. How many games do you think you would have to go back and add up for Northwestern to get to 40 points on offense for them? Do you know the answer to this? I'm looking at their schedule right now so I can figure it out pretty quick. I'm thinking five. Bingo. 22 against Purdue. Well, actually, wait, no. 22 against Purdue. Three against Indiana. That's 25. Zero against Iowa. Three against Ohio State is 28. 10 against Nebraska is 38. You actually have to go six because they got 15 against Wisconsin. Wow. Six games they've needed in Big Ten play out of the seven they've played to get to 40 points. And that's assuming that they don't just lose track of a return man and give up a touchdown. Right, yeah. Because that's that's the other thing is they have to get to 41 to cover the spread if they shut... UMass out, which is entirely possible. But it's actually it's substantially more likely that they shut UMass out than that they get to 40 points. Than that they get to 25 points, yeah. yeah. So, because uh, it, look, it's hard to overstate how bad UMass is, but um, this is one of those things where like, this is the kind of line which is why I don't gamble, because yeah. as dumb as this looks on paper, like, I thought Illinois plus 14 was free money for very different reasons than turned out to be the case, right? <laughs> I just yeah. thought, like... Uh, I was feeling you know, pretty dumb about that at 28-3. to three, but. I, You know, we all did. Everyone in the Slack who picked Illinois is like, gosh, I'm a dumbass. Like, well, <laughs> you know, actually... The clown emoji was tossed around. By a certain... By, by a certain... Academic among us who shall remain nameless. But look... The joke ended up being, look, she thought her pick was a tragedy. <laughs> but it, it turns it out comedy. it was a comedy. So, yeah. <laughs> it was it was both a tragedy and a comedy. Truly the BoJack Horseman of football games. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, so that's enough talk about numbass. Let's, uh, let's move on. How about Wisconsin at Nebraska? Wisbraska. Yet another facet of the fascinating polygon of distaste out in the Western Division. So Wisconsin is by far the better team here, okay? But now that... Like, the only reason that I see this would be a competitive game... Well, first of all, it is in Lincoln, which it, Nebraska is dramatically better there than on the road. Scott Frost still sitting on one road win almost two seasons into his tenure. Um, just going to bring that up. <laughs> but the, the only thing that maybe gets into Wisconsin's head, and I think this could be a factor because... We have a very salient data point for Wisconsin, do we not, on the misfortunes of looking ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not necessarily looking ahead in their own capacity, but maybe a little bit of scoreboard watching because now that Minnesota has vaulted the Penn State hurdle, Wisconsin needs Minnesota to lose. So yeah, even, but- if it, even if it's only just a minor little thing, like... You know, if they do the scoreboard updates on the stadium billboard, and you just kind of, you just kind of glance up at it instead of maybe paying attention to what your coach is telling you that second, and it turns out to be important. 
I'm just spitballing here because look, imagine paper, Paul Christ saying something important. Imagine him <laughs> saying something you find interesting. Yeah, like imagine imagine trying to get like directions to from Paul Christ to a restaurant or something. Like you don't have reception or whatever. Like and like you ask him a question directly and you need the information he's giving you. Like ten seconds in, you'd be like, oh, "Fuck, I'm just gonna get lost." So <laughs> like. I just again we've we've got the example this season of because I looking back on that maybe in light of Illinois' four game win streak that takes on a slightly different light but Wisconsin really still should not have lost but that game. one of those was Rutgers and in all three of the other ones you can point directly to dumb things the coaches did uh, throwing thirty passes in the rain um, whatever the hell happened yesterday and. Paul Chris just assuming that they that they were going to be up by enough points to keep running the ball into like five defensive linemen. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe not needing play action. Maybe there's been something to it this whole time about Lovey Smith just he, a lot of everyone into a false sense of security. Well, no, like a <laughs> lot no, playing like it's the late 90s NFL. Like a, maybe there are just more other coaches in this league who can be got that way than anyone else realize. Maybe other coaches are giving each other too much credit and thinking, man, I got to come up with something good and sharp because this guy, man, he's an innovator. He'll come up with something to beat me if I don't. No, actually, they're all terrified dinosaurs clutching to their last little shred of territory before the meteor hits. Like, that's what this (laughs) is, is like, I can't do anything risky because what if it doesn't work? Like, that's the mindset that I truly think once you get to the pinnacle of head football coaching, that's where they all are. I just need to keep this job. I just need to be here as long as I can. I just need to keep that buyout as high as I possibly can. Like I think that's there's something to that at the top levels of sports for coaches and you know and for front office people. Learn from Master Ference, Paul Christ. Get you a good agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how the hell you do it. I don't know. I posited that maybe since Northwestern is dead now, Illinois is the team where like suddenly in the first in the fourth quarter. Everyone on the other sideline forgets what the hell they're doing, what their name is, <laughs> like everything. Just like, oh my god, what even is happening anymore? So anyway, that's that's what we found interesting to talk about in this Wisconsin-Nebraska matchup. Because look, Nebraska. So it's fair to say Nebraska is in an interesting situation here, right? Because they're at four and five. They need to pull a home upset of either Wisconsin or Iowa and not stumble over Maryland. Which again, Nebraska is a much better team than Maryland. But it's a road game, and we've yeah, seen hey, how those go. Let's let's look at a common opponent. Uh, Indiana, Maryland played Indiana down to the wire as well. Yeah, yeah, and again, assuming they can pick off a Maryland team, which is clearly just sending until recruit until signing day. Uh, you still got to beat either Wisconsin or Iowa. Granted, you get both of those in Lincoln. But you're, but if you're a young coach, you got some young talent on that team. You know you're not going to play for bull. But now you see, hey. Hey, here's, we could ruin somebody else's season. Yeah, yeah here's like, Nebraska. There's blood in the water, and they're just kind of flailing around in a circle here. Let's go get it, man, and show people that we got something building here. And look, Maryland's got some bullets to fire. It's not like that's. I mean, they're they're not a coherent product, and they're weak at some really important spots. It's like an offensive line, as our esteemed colleague DJ is always telling us. But although actually, I looked, and they do have more talent on the offensive line than you would think, given their results even with the turnover they had from last but year. But offensive line, you need experienced talent more than any other position. I get that. So we won't go, we won't belabor that point. But, uh, like, this is a Nebraska team that, again, had unironic playoff odds, okay? And 
are you telling me, I mean, is there any game left on the schedule that they can't lose? No. No, there isn't. And they have to win two of them to go bowling. So, and But let's say this for them. This is about a best-case scenario for a game against Wisconsin. You're coming off a bye week. Um, you ought to have Martinez about as healthy as he's going to get. ever going to be, yeah. And, and you have a Wisconsin team that has already lost a game on the road that you can look at and say, I mean, because Illinois is not more talented than Nebraska. Illinois runs an offense that's not dissimilar from Nebraska, and there's no reason Nebraska can't do what Illinois did on defense. Outside of the fact that, of course, Lovey Smith is my religion. 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 Favorite line of football. This is awesome. He's the world's most steady-handed coach. Everybody loves his cool and calm approach. When it doesn't look like they can win. There's a line I boys don't ever give in. Lovey Smith is my religion. Lovey Smith is my religion. His defense leads the country in takeaways. His majestic beard goes on for days and days. I was lost, but now I'm found. Daniel Parker scored the winning touchdown. Lovey Smith is my religion. Lovey Smith is my religion. Lovey Smith. My religion. Favorite this is awesome. So, this is about as good as you could possibly hope for to beat this Wisconsin team. And we've said that there was red flags on Scott Frost, but you know it's too early to completely write him off yet. I mean, something made something made him. There, there was a lot. That you were buying when you picked up Scott yeah, Frost. Yeah, there were there were plenty. He's a good of, football coach. There were plenty of reasons to be optimistic, if maybe not to quite the zealous extent we got from Nebraska fans. On some level, he's a good football coach. Yeah, and whether it, that whether he's a good head football coach, kind of really remains to be seen. Well, he, I mean, look, his results at UCF are pretty hard to argue with. Yeah, but, um, it's fair to say that it may just take a bit longer to get the software fully installed for him than may, people may have thought. Maybe we don't see those results yet this season, but tail end of last year, we did see things pick up in ways that we didn't quite expect. There's still a chance that that happens this year. I wouldn't totally write the possibility off, but I mean, really, the the thing that... I don't want to make this too complicated, because what is this game going to involve Nebraska having to do when they're on defense? Tackle Jonathan Taylor 30 times. Yep. How's that going to go? It's probably going to go for at least 200 yards for Wisconsin on the ground. That's probably what this game is. And they're going to need to take care of the ball and get some turnover. They're going to need to win the turnover margin yeah, by at least two. You've got to keep Wisconsin's offense off the field so you don't have to tackle Jonathan Taylor so many times. And that's been a problem for Nebraska since Scott Frost got to town. They're going to have to play like about a 95 percentile game, and they can't get more than a 50 percentile game from Wisconsin. Yeah, so is it impossible? No. Do I expect Nebraska to win this? Also, no. Speaking of not impossible, but probably not happening, Michigan State going to Michigan. It's big nude Saturday! Yeah, Fox is a little bit behind the times here. They're playing basically the same graphic to promote this they do every year, which is, oh man, these are brothers and they hate each other and anything can happen. Anything cannot happen in this game, all right? Uh, Michigan's brother is like... Michigan's brother that they got that, that you know, that antagonistic. They're in the hospital right now. 
Uh, no, Michigan's little brother had a relapse for the drugs they were on 13 years ago. That's what happened here. Yeah, and so they're just like, no, the, the animosity maybe is kind of there, but it's, it's under the surface. It's like, man, what happened to you? Come on. I don't think it's still there. I think what's going to happen is this is going to be Harbaugh seeing how much he can win by and thinking that that somehow wipes out the fact that he hasn't accomplished anything yet. Um Maybe it does. I mean, for some Michigan fans, maybe beating Michigan State is enough to call this season success. Pair this with the Notre Dame game. Tell yourself, go back to that, well, hey, we didn't lose against Penn State. We just ran out of time. And, you know, you can kind of sweep that 30-point loss to Ohio State that's coming under the rug. And tell yourself that this isn't a bad season. Maybe you got a little bit of a building block, never mind the fact that you got a new quarterback and losing a lot of your best defensive pieces next season. That was a lot of words. So all this is saying... I don't see a way for MSU to keep this within two scores. I don't know what the long-term prognosis is on any of the guys who were suddenly injured last week. But whether they play or not, I mean, do I think there's any chance that MSU runs the ball as well against Michigan as they did last week with two freshman offensive linemen on the interior? Again, this, this Michigan front is not what it has been recently, but it's good enough, and it's gotten a lot better in the last few weeks. It's a lot better than Illinois, especially when you consider that one of Illinois' starting linebackers, Jake Hansen, Butkus Award semifinalist, was out with injury, and then another starting linebacker punched a Michigan State player in the anus like <laughs> about two minutes into the game and got tossed. Yeah, yeah, which is like, I don't know... <laughs> All right, so here we indicate exactly, at least me, the, the full extent of ignorance that I have about the day-to-day operations of a major college football program. I understand there is film study, okay? And I have to assume that in order to maintain proper discipline and try to cut down on flags, that maybe at some point you go over tape of all the flags that were committed and be like, all right, this is... This is what we think happened that went wrong here. This is why you can't do this. Here's what we're going to do to correct this. I assume there's probably time. And look, like, even a highly penalized team is going to get, what, like 10, 11, 12 flags a week. So this can't take all that long, right? This is probably usually a pretty quick thing. I have to think in this case, Lovey Smith is probably feeling pretty saucy about himself right now. And is like, I don't know what he sounds like at all. He's like, we are going to have some fun with this. He sounds just like me right now. Uh, And so... Suddenly, penalty film breakdown is now a 45-minute session of slow-mo replays for as many different angles as they can come up with of, um, what, what's the guy's name? Milo. It's, it's of Camilo, Eifler. Camilo Eifler. Of Eifler, who sounds, for all the world, like a Serbian war criminal, um, punching a guy in the butthole, and of Lovey Smith with like a laser pointer, like, here's what you don't want to do. Yeah. And, <laughs> this, this right here. Picture this. This right here. This is not what you look at here is... What we've coached is on this clip over here that we're going to play. And we're going to play this clip. It's just a clip what, of a normal play ending. Yeah, like nobody, this is nobody the proper punches, technique. Nobody punches this. anybody in the butt, and it's just, it's just guys lining back up getting now, the next see, play call. Now you notice this was from before my time here, but if you notice what Jonathan Brown, Brown yeah, what Jonathan Brown does on this play is he looks to his left, he looks to his right. He does not see any referees, so then he proceeds. Milo, obviously, a vision obstructed by the lineman here. He doesn't see if there's a referee, and he goes and attacks the butthole immediately. You gotta remember, you gotta read your blocks. You gotta have good eye discipline. You gotta remember to check. check You gotta have have impeccable brown eye discipline here. (laughs) 
Okay. All right. All right. We really got we got to continue. So, uh, and yeah, again, this I let these kind of things happen when I don't want to talk about the game we're talking about. So, do, is there any reason for me to think that Michigan State's going to beat Michigan? No. And I think it's a little bit too cold for big nude Saturday. Yeah. Um, look, it, <laughs> the only long term positive coming out of this game is if Michigan embarrasses MSU badly enough. MSU's playing a lot of young players in this game, and maybe they imbue themselves with enough of a hatred that it spurs them on to be something more than they would otherwise have been, especially against Michigan. Maybe this is a motivating factor for the rest of their careers, because they're going to play a lot of young players this year from a freshman class that ain't that good. So, no, that substantively, I don't think this is, I mean... MSU still has this reputation as a great defensive team, but the truth is we're in basically year three now of a defense that falls apart in the fourth quarter especially a lot. So this game may look close on paper for a while. Wait for that collapse because it's probably coming. And it's you know what's probably going to be is sooner or later a couple of things are going to happen. Shea Patterson is going to keep the ball a few times and run it himself, and MSU is going to overcommit to chasing the running backs. Like Michigan will probably... Try to grind the ball away with the tailbacks between the tackles like they usually do. Probably won't get much for a large part of this game. And then sooner or later, there's going to be the wrinkle. There's going to be the over-pursuit. There's going to be over-correction. And because of the way MSU plays, there's going to be a lot of green grass in front of somebody. Alternatively, this MSU secondary is not what it used to be either. Do you see similarities when you watch these two teams between Amater Baby and Nico Collins? Yeah. Yeah, and Michigan's Michigan's got three of those guys, so... Yeah, and and um, there had to be a point. I mean, that fourth and 16, everybody in the stadium knew they were going to Amater Baby. They put two guys on him, and they couldn't get him. Well, no, they didn't. They played a single high safety, so he was in the middle of the field instead of on the right... instead of on the correct side of the field. Um, And that's that's the kind of schematic stubbornness they have. We're just, you know, we're going to play what we think is best, and if the players don't do it right, that's their problem. Um, All I know is that there's going to be snow on the ground here in Ann Arbor, and it's cold outside, but we've got the hot tubs in the studio, and we're going skinny dipping because it's big, nude kickoff. Yeah, man. I mean, about all I can say for this is at least I get it over with quickly, and then I can get on with the rest of my weekend. So um, let's talk about a game I actually want to talk about. Indiana-Penn State. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Nine Windiana lives. It lives. Say it with me. Um, Nine Windiana. Talk about a classic hangover game for Penn State here. You went on the road. Um, <laughs> did you see? Minnesota drank you under the table. Yeah. Did you see the clip of Sean Clifford before the game? <laughs> yeah. Fuck their boat. <laughs> How'd that go? Um, well, you got caught fucking their boat and you got kicked out of the Yeah, marina. and now you're on a sex offender list. Like, that's how that game went for you. So... Uh, hard to imagine that they're going to have quite the same vigor for... Uh, hey, Indiana's ranked now? Which is good for them. Good for them. They have suffered enough. Um, it's incredible. Indiana's ranked. It is. And again... It, you love to see it? You do. Unironically. You want to pretend that there's parody in this sport. Yeah. and it's There isn't parody at the top. No. But damn it. In the middle there can be. Um, and... Uh, Look, the, the Minnesota game plan feels doable for Indiana here. 
no one's going to mistake their ground game for Minnesota's, but I think Stevie Scott is as good, if not better, than any of the running backs Minnesota has, and their receivers are capable of doing a lot of the things that Minnesota's did. So they've got the athletes to do the right things, and the other thing is they're good enough in the front seven to force Penn State to rely on what they usually do, which is the explosive play. And, and, I think they actually have a guy in Tuan Mullen who is good enough to shadow K.J. Hamler one-on-one. That guy really impresses me every time I watch Indiana play. Um, the one X factor, of course, and the thing that nobody has really come up with an answer for yet is Pat Fryermuth. And who do you have capable of shutting him down consistently? You sure as hell better not put a linebacker on him. Um, that's, you know... If you're Penn State, because of the loss, you're playing an elimination season now. Every game from here on out, you got to win if you want to do the things that you think you should be able to do. So I don't think focus is necessarily an issue, but do you not look ahead a little bit to Ohio State? Do you not? Is it not still ingrained into a lot of current players' minds that Indiana is not a thing to be taken seriously? Yeah. I think it's got to be part of it. So I guess what I'm saying here is, I think a decent part of this game relies on James Franklin doing his job on game day. And uh, we talked Ooh, about boy. that before, didn't we? Yeah. I, I mean, guess we'll see. Well, because that's the thing. They didn't really bring it last week. You're saying that James Franklin, Penn State, is going to bring it two weeks in a row? Yeah, no, it's hard. And I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but somebody, and some, this is you know a sight of a sight, so maybe it's not accurate, but... Somebody quoted Nick Saban as saying that you can really only get your best game out of your team like twice a year. Like, that's Nick Saban saying that. Yeah. And, you know, considering what he has at his disposal, if he says that, I would take it as gospel. So, if Penn, so one of two things is the case here. Either Penn State played their best game against Minnesota, or they completely screwed up and miss, and, you know, <laughs> failing to appreciate the danger. And they consider, consider also that they've already played Michigan in a game that they knew they had to have. Is that one of their best games? I don't know. I guess you'd have to think about what else they've done relative to that Michigan performance and decide if you think that was one of their best performances. If they fired both of their bullets already, what do they got left for Indiana? I guess we'll see because they have to have mentally put something in the tank for Ohio State. Like, that's inevitable. They will have done that because I know they view themselves as a pure program with the Buckeyes. I don't know if that's actually true. But, you know, they think, be, they, they, think they are. And I'll be shocked is, if this is a single, if this is not a single-digit line. This absolutely should be. Well, the, lot, the preliminary lines are out, so why don't we take a quick look? Maybe not shocked. But really little print. Um... Certainly shouldn't be two touchdowns. Because I will say, uh, Clifford is, you know, he's going to need to do more than his namesake, the Big Red Dog. I mean, AKA just exist in various places and situations. It opened at Penn State minus 14. All right. So, yeah, then you're assuming that again, Clifford will do more than Clifford, the Big Red Dog. Who just generally just existed in a lot of situations and had people comment, wow, that is a thing that exists. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's all uh, the hell that Clifford did last week. And look, lest we be accused of insubstantial analysis, 
from what I saw of the Minnesota Penn State game, uh, Clifford was inconsistent, which you kind of expect from a first year starting quarterback. There was he some free picks. Yeah, he well he did, and there were other throws though where you're like, wow, yeah, I see what they've got here. I mean, as you mentioned when we were talking about um, the difference between a Hunter Johnson and Aiden Smith, like when you get sometimes guys make throws or make other plays depending on their position, where you're like, yeah, okay, I see why what the big deal is about this guy. Whether they put that together consistently or not ever is kind of the is kind of the rub, isn't it? Because history is littered with many recruits who never panned out to what we thought they would be. So minus fourteen feels like a bit much. This probably I, I bet this comes down a couple points. It should. Penn State's coming off a difficult high stakes loss. Indiana's coming off of a bye, and now that they're ranked, more public money is gonna look at this and be tempted. I believe in Indiana. Yeah. I don't now. Of course, we're probably delivering the kiss of death onto them, which would be too bad. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I believe in Indiana to win this game. I'm saying I believe in Indiana generally as a program. So yeah. So win or lose this game, look. I mean, you could you could easily argue that the rest of the season is icing on the cake for Indiana, but I bet that's not how Tom Allen and his program view it. Because you don't get to the point where they are if you settle for the next increment. You know, it, whatever is the minimum that's good enough to keep you moving along. Like, but how will we pay for it? That's a real bummer, man. Um, speaking of how will we pay for it, how will we pay to buy Rutgers out of the conference? Because Ohio State at Rutgers, we're really going to do this. We're televising a snuff film. Um, we've talked about some interesting betting lines in this game. You ca- you catch this one? You catch this? You catch 50 this? Fifty and a half, and that feels low. Take the points. Prove I mean, me wrong. Yeah, I, who's who's change gonna, my mind? Who's not going to lay those points, um, man? Because you know Ohio State showed us last week they are not above going for style points at this point in the season. Okay. Ah, uh, boy. Because <laughs> yeah, LSU, I think, is going to take that number one spot with a bullet. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the AP poll, Ohio State does not have a win the caliber of Alabama. No, Nothing close. No, AP poll already came out, and it was LSU by a landslide. So. Yeah, Ohio State's best win has a loss to Illinois. Like, that's still true. They've got, I mean, they've got opportunities left. I'd say that won't change, but um, all they can do in this game is put as much blood on the walls as they can. <laughs> and uh, boy, are they going to have an opportunity. I mean, the, the only question here really is, does Ohio State cover, or in winning by merely 45, do they get national pundits talking like, maybe we need to bump them down to 6 or 7? Like that's, that's what <laughs> yeah. this conversation is going to sound like. And that's why when they're throwing the ball up 70 in the third quarter, you can't blame them. I mean, you can be mad about it if you're a Rutgers fan, but, you know, like the Ohio, like the Miami players used to say in the 80s, if you're mad about it, keep us out of the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> How big would this line have to be where you wouldn't consider taking Ohio State to cover? 60? <laughs> I think I'm thinking, 10 points higher. I, mean, I would confidently bet on Ohio State to cover 56 points in this game. The only, I mean, look, are there circumstances I can conceive of? Sure. Maybe the weather, maybe it's like played in a monsoon and there's just, there's like 10 fumbles and it's just an like absolutely inhumane conditions to play action. Yeah, but also, how many of something. those turnovers does Ohio State? Immediately score on like without the offense. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. I'm not. I'm just saying. Like, there are no conditions that don't favor Ohio State. There would have. To, there would have to be some divine stroke of fortune that way, or 
again, as as we said with the look-ahead thing from Penn State, maybe Ohio State's kind of glancing because, you know, we're getting close to the end of the calendar here. Maybe you start thinking more big picture than about beating the guy in front of you. Not that that's going to matter because I think Ohio State could probably give them a couple seconds after the snap without moving and still make the play <laughs> most of the time. Um, but, no, I... <laughs> they could line up and in a punt return. Like, they could just select the wrong play. Right, line up in punt return. Every oh, shit, play. shit, 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 and it's like you know, and just run it like a run a fake punt out of a called punt. Yeah, that's basically they could, they could line up. Okay, Rutgers first and ten from their own twenty-five. Ohio State could put the kickoff return team out there and probably still stop them from getting the first down. Decent, decent shot at still getting an interception. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, I I don't know what else there is to say to fans of Rutgers football at this point. If you're expecting some positive signs this season, it ain't coming. Although, hey, you know, no, no, no. You know what? I got to take that back because another week has passed without them hiring Greg Schiano. This is a good thing. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. If you're old enough to remember the previous Schiano era, this ain't gonna be that. He's, it's, he's gone. Dad's not coming back. I know he said he's just going to the store for cigarettes. That was more than 10 years ago now, wasn't it? I mean, when did he leave? Was it 2009, 2010? Oh, so more recent than that. It's only been eight years. Shano uh, <laughs> and Zook departed their respective teams in very different circumstances, but at the same time. Ships passing in the night, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> that's ships, a bu- ships passing in the night. You know what? Near, near South Florida. That's a buddy coach comedy that needs to be written. <laughs> uh. It's just when you look at Greg Shiano with his stern shovel face... And Ron Zook, you just can't picture without that without water a, skiing without, picture. Yeah, yeah. and like a, and an aggressively happy grin. Yeah, I mean, you tell me like, but with but the, his eyes don't look completely open either. It's been a while since anybody tried to reboot the Odd Couple, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> as well, yeah. I mean, I think like, a, like a marching band drum line behind oh, a, a nice marching band cover of the Odd Couple theme. Shit, but you know, now we put this out on the airwaves. We gotta get going on this. Somebody's gonna beat us to it. Somebody's gonna beat us to this. Okay. So, Floyd of Rosedale, the most spectacular of bronze farm animals. Bacon with steaks involved. I, for one, am now hoping for an ultimately one-loss Minnesota to attempt to interject themselves into the proud history of why not us arguments that are always made by, like, numbers five, six, and seven. Like, we should be in the field because we played this team on a Thursday and it was a short rest and that should count double. Um, You know, made mostly by teams who know damn well they don't belong in the field. In this matchup, though... These teams are kind of similar. They want to be kind of similar things. Ground-based offenses. <clears throat> stable defenses. Minnesota's offense is better just about everywhere except at the offensive tackle spots. And it's a little bit surprising. I mean, Iowa's never been a powerhouse offensively, but they usually have reliable contributors across the board. And the speed with which Minnesota has caught and passed them quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, interior offensive line. Um, tight ends are probably a push because neither of them are fe- feature them heavily this year, at least in the passing game. Um, really, it, 
Iowa is Alaric Jackson and Tristan Wirfs away from Minnesota having an advantage at every single spot on the offense. <laughs> That's got to be a sobering realization if you're a Hawkeye fan. Well, and I mean, I guess it just speaks the power of that whole thing where where PJ Flood doesn't really want to let him off the boat unless they, they they commit, you know. But of course, they will commit because of the implication. <laughs> <laughs> the implication that things, you know, that things might not go entirely right for them if they don't. You keep seeing this word implication. I, I... <laughs> no, no, they're not in any danger. It's just, it's just the implication. That's dark, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, the other problem for Iowa is that our most recent game tape of them shows a running game having a lot of success, which was kind of a surprise, honestly. I... I would not have thought that Taylor was going to have the success he did, even with the talent he has. And Minnesota's offense as a whole is working better than Wisconsin's right now. That's not to say that Minnesota is necessarily going to have the same success running the ball, but throwing the ball, um, this is really good. This is going to be a big cast for Phil Parker. He's been a longtime defensive coordinator, and his specialty is in the defensive backs. They've had injuries this year. They played more young guys than they usually do. So this maybe isn't a vintage Iowa secondary outside of um, Geno Stone, who's a, probably the next NFL guy. But aside from him, who's covering Bateman? And if that guy's covering Bateman, who's covering Johnson? And if those two guys are covered, who's covering Ottman Bell? Like, there's a lot of deep threats to cover here. If you assume that Minnesota is going to have even 80% of the success Wisconsin did on the ground, which feels like a fair conclusion to me. Man, it's just crazy because I really feel like I, before last week, I, I I guess I would have struggled to say this, but I, I'd be surprised if Iowa wins this game. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> Minnesota fans who at like 5-0 and were like, why aren't we ranked? Why aren't we getting respect? Well, because you hadn't done anything yet. Now you've done something. Here comes the shine. You earned it. That's how this goes. Nobody gives you credit before you earn it. I remember when my team had their breakthrough, everyone's like, man, they're not that good. They're not going to the Rose Bowl. We had to prove it. Same for you. If you're not Ohio State or Michigan, well, let's be real. Ohio State deserves that credit pretty much every time. If you're not a name brand, you're not getting the credit. You ain't been good in 60 years. Now you are. Enjoy this. Love it up. What do you care what anyone else thinks? Now you're going to get all the credit. You're, what did they, I think they were ranked seventh yeah. when the rankings came out. Love that. Soak it in. Now you actually earned it. Like, Or perhaps what you should do is immediately upon, like, maybe before you rush the field against Penn State for the biggest win that in my lifetime for Minnesota, what you do is you go on Twitter and you start demanding apologies from all these people that maybe casted some doubt that P.J. Fleck could get it done by right now. They're not the real fans and we don't have room for them here in this Whatever's going on here. Yeah, Get the hell out of here. Yeah, I demand some apologies to be written. That's your first thought after me. I'm just saying because this surely happens in a lot of fan bases, right? No, it does. <laughs> I know. Well, and it helped. I'm not saying it's unique to us. I'm just saying there are people out there like that. <coughs> helped, yeah, helped along in this case by the fact that, per reports, especially from our Minnesota brethren, that Twin Cities media is not necessarily super friendly to Gophers and to P.J. Fleck in particular when he got there. Uh, so there's probably a fair amount of crow that's going to have to be eaten by some of those people. But look, Guess what? They'll be happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You really think 
some radio host or newspaper columnist in Minneapolis isn't thrilled to have the best Minnesota sports team since the, the Kirby Puckett twins in town. Like, that's that. this is good for business for them. They're not actually going to be mad about it. They're going to be happy to, to bend the knee a little bit. So, uh, yeah. I, this Again, the only thing that makes me think this is different is the game is in Kinnick, but I always lost a few of these big home games recently. I think back to the Wisconsin game last year where that, that felt like a pivotal game for them. And once they lost it, the notion that they were gonna that they were gonna win much of anything with this cohort of players kind of went out the window for me, and they haven't done anything since then to change my opinion of that. I mean, it's not to say they're bad, but they're not gonna have a Rose Bowl type team that they did a few years ago. And Kirk doesn't need them to yet. Nope, he's a couple years away from needing to push that buyout a little further out. So. Look for 2021. I don't know if it's going to be next year necessarily. He's going to be he's going to have a new quarterback, but 2021 when you got a ret- probably a returning quarterback and it's been long enough since anything good happened that you got to have that 10 or 11 win season to you know feed the meter so to speak. In case you're wondering what is going on here, we're doing our foray into off tackle ASMR. <laughs> Oh no! I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just challenging the dog over here. <laughs> so that doesn't. All right, work. that'll do it for off tackle ASMR. This was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that'll also do it for our previews of this week's Big Ten action. There are a few interesting games around the country. First and foremost, ranked Navy going to ranked Notre Dame. Oh man! Support my boys, our troops. We are normally an army blog, thanks to the predilections of some of our staff here. But um, support our troops. Go Navy. Beat Notre Dame. A hundred percent. Oklahoma at Baylor in uh, in the uh, the undercard to Oklahoma at Baylor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, isn't it Oklahoma neutral site? I was gonna say Oklahoma slash Baylor is the second one. Yeah. Um, It'll be interesting. I don't. Th- I mean, Matt Rule has had has done an absolutely unimpeachable job at Baylor, and the notion that he would leave that kind of situation for Rutgers is a little far fetched. But as we've mentioned before, he's a Pennsylvania slash Jersey guy. How do you? Well, not, which means you that if you're a Jersey recruit, you get the hell away from Rutgers. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh God, I'm sorry, Rutgers. I. Oh, All man. I'm saying is, how do you not give this guy a call? Like, Shiano's going to be there. He pro- look, Rule probably says no, and then you've tried. Like, if Shadow doesn't work out, which he's probably not gonna, you can at least look back and say, well, he, we really didn't have better options. We tried. You just gotta try. That's all That's all we're asking at this point, and then we'll give you your 114th of the contract that you in no way earn. And, you know, <laughs> through gritted teeth, but we'll fulfill our contractual obligations because... We here in the Midwest avoid litigation unless absolutely necessary. That's not true at all. We live in Detroit. <laughs> Big time game here. 0-9 New Mexico State will host Incarnate Word. You got real problems, man. <laughs> One of three winless teams left in FBS football. Can they beat the... Flames, Word. probably. I'm going to go with Flames. It'd be great if it was just like 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 the beach that we were talking about. The word, no Cardinals. Yeah, had to be something. Yeah, if it wasn't, 
I was going to say just like normal deacons, like not demon deacons. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of, Wake Forest at Clemson, losing a bit of its luster after Wake took an absolute beating from Virginia Tech last week. I still think they're a good enough team to give Clemson something of a fight. Maybe Clemson has to play into the fourth quarter for once in the ACC, which, you know, again, doesn't seem to get them the kind of credit that Alabama running over their weak SEC schedule does. But Making up whatever. cheers for incarnate word in my head over here. Word up! Word up! I assume they just sing the song "Bird" is the word on repeat, <laughs> and, or "Incarnate" is the word. <laughs> you'd have the syllables are kind of clumsy. You'd have to you'd have to workshop that a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, Georgia versus Auburn is the "Why are you ranked this high?" SEC game du jour. Well, don't you know about the word? Well, everybody's heard about "Incarnate Word." It's said a word, word. What word's the word? It's said a. <laughs> Source for Big Ten Talk, it's off tackle, Empire!